Can you, uh, can you go and turn my mic up just a little bit back there? Just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. There we go. Ah, that's where I like it at. That's where I like it at. Um, we started a new series last week. Does anybody remember what the series is called? Fear, Fear Not. Fear, Fear Not. Why do you guys think that's a good title for a series? Why, why would we call this series Fear, Fear Not? Anybody know? Anybody? 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 Go ahead. Because it talks about fear? Yeah, what is it? It, me, the Lord. Somebody, somebody identifying as it. Go ahead. What? Yes, yes. There's places, there's places in the Bible where we hear fear. And there's other places in the Bible where we hear fear not. And sometimes people look at that stuff in the Bible, and, and it's people who don't love Jesus like you do. They'll look at that and they'll say, look at this contradiction. Look at, look at how the Bible contradicts itself. And in those moments, what do you say? What's your, what's your takedown effect in that moment when someone's bringing the word in defense of their atheism? Um, Anybody ever have that happen to you? Where, where an atheist uses the word of God to, to defend it? Anybody? You guys don't have that? That happened to me a ton in, in high school. Yeah. There's times in the Bible where fear is appropriate, and there's times where fear is not. And I think that uh, when we kind of think about fear, there is um, a healthy fear, and then there's an unhealthy fear. Uh, when I was, I'll tell the story real quick. Um, when I was about, let's say, six years old, and I, I might have told this story recently. I can't remember. Um, but uh, I've become an old man with these stories. Um, did I tell you guys about how I learned about fire? Did I tell you guys this one? Okay, good, good. All right, so I had a best friend named Mark Montgomery. He taught me how to light matches. Um, that, was his, that was his claim to fame in my life. And, uh, and lighting matches was the coolest thing that like a six-year-old boy could learn because then all of a sudden you had fire, right? And fire is the greatest thing that man has ever invented. So a young boy, of course, is going to be enthralled with their ability to make fire. Now, when I was growing up, um, smoking was still okay in buildings. And in fact, uh, businesses use match boxes to advertise their product. And so it wasn't uncommon for there to be a bunch of match boxes everywhere um, with people's logos on it. Now, I didn't know what those were until Mark taught me what those were, and then all of a sudden I realized that I had the ability to make fire everywhere. Um, and that was a really, really important thing. So we went to Wendy's one time, and we were sitting at Wendy's. Um, do you guys still have the Wendy's? Is that something you guys go to? Um, good. Um, you know, actually, when I first got here, right after youth group, a group of students would always go to Wendy's. Um, some of you guys old school people know what I'm talking about. Um, and so uh, we're at Wendy's, and there on the table next to the cigarette ashtray was a Wendy's matchstick. And I took that, I put it in my pocket, and my grandma's taking me home. My sister's in the front seat, and I decide this is a good time to start lighting matches because I'm bored. This is why it's good that, like, I, I'm usually not in defense of phones, um, but before we had phones as children, we just lit matches. This is what we do. Um, and so I just started lighting matches, 
And, uh, and my grandma had this old Honda Civic. The windows were always rolled down, just a crazy thing. And I just, I take it, I blow it out, I throw it behind me. Take it, blow it out, throw it behind me. And then all of a sudden, it starts getting really, 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 really hot behind me. And I look back behind me, and the back seat is on fire. So I did what I believe um, any rational human being would do. I uh, scooted forward. Uh, and so I scooted forward, hoping that this thing would just burn itself out. Now, still, I had just discovered fire and didn't really understand how fire worked at this point, but I just figured it'll go away, just the same way these matches always seem to go away. Um, it didn't go away, and then pretty soon, the car's filling with smoke, um, and my sister looks back, and she sees me sitting there, engulfed in flames. <laughs> And I can tell that she's about to rat me out to grandma. So I look back at her and I go, shh. <laughs> Which might be the most demonic picture of all time that a little brother could do to a big sister. Um, and she screams, of course. My grandma screams also. My grandma was not a... Uh, was, was not a violent person. But in this moment, my grandma ripped me out of the car. And I, there's no other way to describe this, what, what just happened there. She used grandma's strength, which I did not know she possessed at this point, and she literally grabbed me like by this area here, okay? Now there's not a whole lot to grab onto, but she got it, whatever it was. And she just snagged that and just tossed me out of the car. And I just, woo, you know, like flied out of there. And then grandma takes her big down jacket. Now we're in Wyoming, so having a nice jacket is, and she just beats that fire down until it goes out completely, completely forever. And, uh, and I think about that story when I think about, well, this is not working. Um, when I think about the fear of the Lord. Because in that moment, I didn't have an appropriate amount of fear. Um, what I learned later on in that moment was I learned that, uh, um, come on, stay off. There we go. Oh, nope, that's not going to work up. Just unplug that. That's not going to work. All right. Um, what I learned is the gas, the gas um, tank under that old Honda Civic sat right underneath the, the, the back seat, um, which we could have just been like a hillbilly family in Wyoming and just blew up on the side of the road. No one would have known. Um, fear was appropriate, but I did not possess it. Fear was appropriate, but I did not possess it. And so we learn from moments like that that there's times in which we should listen to our fear. That fear is an appropriate thing in those moments. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs chapter 9, 10. It says this, fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of wisdom. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you guys hear that, maybe that's the first time you've ever heard that verse. What do you, what do you hear? What do you think that means? Go ahead, raise your hand, tell me. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Go ahead. It's a foundation of wisdom, okay? And in fact, in, uh, in a couple of translations I looked at, it actually did say foundation. The NLT says foundation of, of wisdom, which I, I, I like that too. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's a foundation of wisdom. Somebody else, tell me. Go ahead. 
It would be stupid. Why do you say that, Hannah Whitson? Yeah, you know, you can, you can replace uh, the Lord here with anything that could kill you, right? Fear of fire is the beginning of wisdom, right? Fear of bears is the beginning of wisdom. Um, there is a healthy amount of that. Now, I had this ready for you guys, but um, I'm going to say, I'm going to just push play here, and you guys have to look on the little screen here. And, it's, and it goes like this, right? Healthy fear can be helpful. Can you guys see that? Healthy fear can be, here, can be here. And this is kind of what Hannah was just talking about, is there's this, right? That is a grizzly bear. Um, that sucker weighs 2,000 pounds. So that's a Volkswagen with sharp teeth um, that, can, that can kill you. And, and truthfully, it needs to eat enough food so it cannot eat for months <laughs> and still live, right? So it needs to fill up. And, and if you get, if you see this thing and you're out on a hike and it's the right time of year or you're between it and, it and its cubs, the right emotion to feel during that moment is not, oh man, I hope I can get a selfie with this thing. You know, oh, oh my goodness, look at how beautiful nature is. The right emotion in that moment is, holy crap, I don't want to be this thing's dinner, Right? And there's all sorts of things that they tell you to do if you encounter this creature in the wild, you know? Play dead. I wonder who made that up. The bears? <laughs> no, don't run away. Whatever you do, make yourself bigger, right? It's 2,000 pounds. Anybody here bigger than 2,000 pounds? You know, like, uh, all you got to do, Blaine. Yeah, maybe Blaine, right? Um, Blaine. Blaine might be the only one here that could wrestle a bear and win, right? Like, like that, might, that might be it. Uh, uh, this thing was created by God to teach us about fear. That's the, only, that's the only thing I can think of it as. I can imagine that Noah, when he's bringing his ark and this sucker comes aboard, he's like, okay, God. So you made a death machine, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, now... It's not always that whenever you see this animal that you're scared. What about this moment? That's, that's, that's a bear. No, you can't see it very well. But that's a, that's a bear at the zoo. And if you guys can see back here, there's a bunch of kids standing there licking their lollipops, right? Like, like look at this death machine. I'm safe. Why? Why don't they feel fear in that moment? Go ahead. There's glass in between. Was it, is it like a little bit of glass? It's a big old thick piece of glass, right? Yeah, it, it's enough to hold that thing back from you. Now, I want you guys to think about the way you view God. Is God the bear in the wild? Or is God the bear behind the glass? I think so many of us do not understand the fear of the Lord because we view God in a box. We've put him there. We've decided that God is not to be feared, is not to be someone who is able to crush us. 
Some of you guys who are Bible scholars tell me, because I talk about this a lot, whenever heaven meets earth and an angel of the Lord comes or the Lord himself speaks, what is usually the first thing that the angel says to a human? Does anybody know? Jackson, do not fear. Fear not. No, if Jesus, if God is sort of this, 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 this God that just gives us things whenever we ask for it, then why? Why? Um, would we ever fear him? There's this quote that I love. It's by C.S. Lewis. Anybody here ever read the Narnia series of, of this? You guys have watched the movies? You seen the movies? The books are better. Um, and, and here it is. Here it is. Aslan in the books is the Christ figure, right? When C.S. Lewis is talking about Aslan, he is talking. I mean, it's like a, literally a one-to-one -one ratio. And what is Aslan in the book? Anybody know? A lion. Another death machine, right? Another death machine. And so Miss... Mr. Beaver is talking to Lucy about Aslan before she's met Aslan. And this is what Mr. Beaver has to say. Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Oh, oh, so this is Susan, sorry. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. This is what the beaver has to say. Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. You see what that is? Now let, you, now let me ask you guys again. Is God caged in, or is God wild? It's, it's a good question, isn't it? It's a really, really, really good question. You know, in the Old Testament, it, the people who had the closest connection to God were the priests. They were the tribe of, does anybody know? Does anybody know? Somebody said something. Levi, the Levites, right? Levitical law, Levite law. It, they were this tribe. And so the one, who can, the one who was allowed, which is the high priest, was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, which is where God's presence during this time was most felt. It wasn't even fully his presence. It was just a little bit of his presence. Now before the priest could go into this place where God's presence was, he would have to confess sin, he would have to do these cleansing rituals, and he would have to like slaughter goats just on his own behalf before he walked in there because he needed to be as pure as he possibly can. Now here's the crazy thing about this. Because because this was such a holy presence, and because humans have a tendency to not be very holy ourselves, if unholy met holiness in this moment, you know what would happen? Go ahead, Jackson. Die. Drop dead. Kunk. Gone. So you know what they used to do to the high priests? They used to put bells on their robes. Want to know why? <laughs> Same reason that you put a bell on your cat. Because <laughs> if, if you don't hear it moving anymore, it's gone, you know? Um, and, and that is kind of what we're dealing with. Now, in the New Testament, we're told that true love casts out all fear, right? 
And Jesus comes as a perfect manifestation of love. And so the, the God whom we know, the New Testament God, is a God who isn't actively, actively raging like a lion. He's the God who is the suffering servant. Now the crazy thing is, the Bible tells us that he is both the roaring lion and the suffering servant. And in a way, we've got to figure out how it is that we are going to honor him in this way. Let's look at another piece of scripture. This is what Matthew 10, 28 says. And this is Jesus speaking himself. These are some of the words that you don't hear people talk about when they talk about Jesus' words. A lot of times people talk about how Jesus talked about love and other stuff. Jesus talked a lot about some things that we don't quote. And this is one of them. Do, do not be afraid of those who kill, your, kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one. And now it's capitalized here, which usually means that in the, in the Greek translation, it says the Lord. But be afraid of the Lord who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Ooh. I'll ask you again, is God behind the glass? Or is God wild in front of us? What we're dealing with when we're dealing with people who don't know Jesus is we are dealing with people who are operating their life in such a way that eternal damnation is coming for them. I'm going to say that again, guys, because a lot of preachers don't say this, but this is what the Bible teaches. This is what the Bible teaches, is that we are in the place right now where heaven and hell is at hand, and the souls of men are either won or lost in this place. We sang a ton about rescue tonight. What we are doing in this moment is a rescue mission. If you've ever been on a rescue mission or watched one on TV, let me ask you a question. Is that a not urgent affair? <laughs> is that something that people go, yeah, he's lost in the woods. Maybe we'll look for him in a couple days, you know. Maybe, maybe I can do something to attract him out of the woods to myself. No. It's a fierce pursuit. It's an adventure. So this is what I want to say, guys, is caution is necessary when the risk is great. Caution is necessary when the risk is great. And so... We are in this place where your friends, people you go to school with, people you know, who do not know Jesus and have been blinded by this world, they are on a collision course. Now let me ask you a question. If you really believe that, which I do, then why isn't it so urgent for you to talk to your friends about Jesus? Why? Why do we sit and, and, and wait for destruction to come? See, I've told you my story a million times. The thing that drove my sister to keep on pursuing me was that she could not imagine her little brother not knowing Jesus because she could not imagine her little brother being sent to hell. So she went into urgent mode, you know? DEFCOM 1. That's where she was at. 
people say De DEFCOM 3, that's not right. One is the highest in that, in that order. Um, that's where she went to. The Bible talks about how people who don't know Jesus are blind, but when they find Jesus, they see. And those of us who found Jesus, we know what this is about. C.S. Lewis says it like this. I believe in God the way I believe that the sun is risen, not because I can see it, but by it, I see everything else. The way in which we get Jesus is like getting new eyeballs. All of a sudden, you see the world differently. Your eyes are opened. And your eyes should be opened to the fact that there's a lot of blind people who are on cliffs right now. And it is your job to join God in this great rescue mission. To rescue your friends. And if you believe that, then it changes everything about the way we act. This is the type of healthy fear that drives us to the right places. When we start to fear for our friends who are living in destruction, that's when we start to change the way we interact with them. And that changes who we are. Now, you got to ask your, yourself the question, if you're not pursuing your friends who don't know Jesus, if you yourself came to this place and you, you're like, I don't know about all this stuff, the question you got to ask is, how long are you going to play with fire? And when I was sitting in the fire in the back of my when grandma's car, she didn't turn around and go, baby, come on out of there. <laughs> she violently ripped me from the back seat. That's the level of urgency that we need to have when we're talking to our friends. And if you can feel that fear, then that is the type of fear that we need to go and get. Hell's greatest weapon in this age is apathy. People who are just kind of going, yeah. There's a church in the end times called Laodicea. It's actually a church that was way back in the day. But it, was called, it, was, it was in a place called Laodicea. And what it said about it is, you are neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm in your faith. And it says, ah, what do I do with you? If you were water, I would spit you out of my mouth. Now, the old English translations say, vomit you out of my mouth, which is great language. If you want to find good language, read the old English versions. I don't read them for that, but sometimes you can get some really crazy stuff in there. Um, but that's, that's, that's where we sit. So the question I have to ask you guys is, are you going to get to a place where you decide to join God on this great rescue mission for the souls of your friends. Dudes, this is better than war. You know, you guys want to play video games, and, and, and in your video games, you want to rescue people, you want to shoot people, you want to do all these crazy things. And for some reason, it inoculates you towards the real goals that are going on. And I'm going to say this, guys. If you stay distracted, then hell is already won. If we stay connected to our phones and not living in this reality where heaven and hell is at stake, if we, if we don't feel the right fear here, guess what happens? Satan wins. So put down the phones. Put down the video game controllers. 
Put down the distractions. Focus on the task at hand because it is a hard task that, is, that, that, is, that needs to be done. There is a thing called revival. It's when God's church pushes off apathy, joins the fight that's already happened, and ground is taken for Jesus. And so when you wake up, and I'm going to be really honest, guys, we got all these woke people, but we don't have a whole lot of people who are, who are, who are awake. We got a lot of people who believe all sorts of wacky stuff about the world. We got a, very, a lot of people who the Bible would call sleepers. People who know Jesus and have fallen asleep. They just, they just don't care. See, the reason we have to fill this place up with other people is not because that feels good to us. The reason we have to fill this place up is because we are a rescue boat. And a rescue boat is only as good enough as it is filled with people who need to be rescued. And when I look around in our culture today, I see a lot of people who need to be rescued. And I need you to feel that fear. I need you to wake up and feel that fear. Because if you don't, and you live in apathy, then again, hell has already won. Three weeks ago, when I was walking, hiking through the Olympic National Forest, 50 miles, we had to start at night. Because what you want to do is you want to cover your night miles at the front half. Because if you cover your night miles on the back side of that 50, and you're so tired that the injury risk goes way up. So we started hiking through this wild country at 9 p.m. And we hiked all the way through the night. It was completely dark. We had headlamps. The headlamp would get me about six feet in front of me. We were where cars could not travel. We were where the wild things are at. There was noises all around us. There was danger every single step. And so what did it take from me during that time? It took an incredible amount of focus. I had to keep my eyes on every step that I was taking. Every single step, and most of the time we were walking on these dry riverbeds, and that meant that we could turn an ankle. If you turn an ankle 25 miles into a wild place, you gotta wait for a donkey to come pull you out of there. <laughs> that could be hours or days. And so you focus, and you just focus on what the next step is, and what the next step is, and what the next step is. The craziest thing that happened to me out there is, is I tripped. I tripped over a river rock 12 miles in. Now what I didn't know was where I was at, because like I said, I was wearing just a headlamp. I tripped, I was falling forward, I jumped forward to not fall, and I stopped myself. And then when I stopped myself, I was on the edge of a 200-foot cliff. You don't recover from a 200-foot cliff, guys, um, in this moment. My trainer, who's done this stuff a while, we were talking the whole time, he took on a different tone with me. And he said, TJ? 
I need you to be absolutely focused right now. <laughs> Message sent. <laughs> Message received. <laughs> Caution is necessary when the risk is great. What is, what, what is greater risk than heaven and hell? As you guys go through your life, and, I'm, and, I, and, I, and I realize that this is kind of that message that doesn't have that joy in it. Well, a message about healthy fear should leave us with a, with a healthy amount of fear for our friends. And so what I would like you guys to, to, to think about inside of your soul is how are you going to violently, ferociously go after the lost people in your life in such a way that you can't help but rescue them from this coming judgment. And that is what fear of the Lord is. As soon as we get that, then we let God outside of the box. And he's allowed to do what he's supposed to do. All right? All right. All right, guys, um, pray with me real quick, and then we'll, uh, we'll do our next stuff. God, I'm sorry that we don't fear you the way we should. God, I'm sorry that we look at the lost people in our life, and we're just sort of okay with that. God, I pray that we could join you on this amazing rescue mission. Jesus, you came to rescue us, and you viewed your task as serious, and you came and you saved some of us. God, I pray that you would fill this place up because this place exists as a rescue boat. In this place tonight, God, I, I pray that there would be a supernatural connection to who you are. And we would all understand that who you are is not in our, in our control. I pray that we would fear you, but that fear would be released when we realize that you are good and that you love us. In the same way, God, we, I pray that we would live in a healthy amount of fear for the people in our lives who need to know you. And as that happens, God, I pray that that would be the foundation of our wisdom. We love you, God. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.